Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. On today's show, we take a look back at the Hornets' latest gut-punching loss, but had some encouraging things. But were the Hornets cheated out of that game in Los Angeles like La La Land was cheated out of their Best Picture Award? Oh, you know we're talking some La La Land, talking more (laughs) Hornets before 9 a.m. than most people do all day. You are locked on Hornets. You are locked locked on Locked On Hornets, your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Hornets, Charlotte Hornets news and analysis in your podcast feed every day. The best Charlotte Hornets news and analysis in your podcast feed whenever you need it. I'm Doug Branson, joined by the man, the myth, the legend, David Walker. Doug, how are you, my friend? It was a tough. I'm going to be honest, David. It was a tough, was a tough Sunday. Night. It was a tough Sunday, wasn't it? I'm not. I'm not. That was, that was You're too laughing much at me. Was, no, no. You're no, laughing no, no, at my no. plight. That it's was not, too it's much not really that much of a plight. That I mean, was yes. Too much. The Hornets lost. Yes, I thought La La Land was going to win, and then they lost. They won for a second. So did the Hornets. <laughs> That's right. I mean, the, the similarities are are, are scary. Uh yeah all right well I'm done with Los Angeles that's all I'll say oh he's done I'm just it's done over. West Coast not the best coast uh all right we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team every day head over to iTunes search Locked On and find podcast on the NFL NBA golf fantasy sports it's the fastest growing podcast network in the world by the way David how how bad do we feel for Warren Beatty. Just oh, catching, man. he's catching all of the heat for this Oscars debacle. If you haven't seen it, he 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 didn't even read the wrong name. This wasn't a Steve right. Harvey situation. He gives the he knew it was wrong, and he, yeah. he gives the <laughs> maybe worse than Steve Harvey because he sort of is like here, Faye, you do it. <laughs> he's like, I don't know which way to go here. Uh, but the accounting firm is taking uh, the the responsibility for this mix up. I believe, like they, I guess they have two sets of envelopes, right? Right. On either side of the stage, and then that's yeah. I mean, that's I, I guess it's it's just funny that it's never happened before. I suppose, but that's kind of a big moment in the show. The uh, best picture. Yeah, you got to make sure they got the right envelope. Uh, I mean, you know, Warren Beatty, he'll be all right. I'm sure he doesn't even know about Twitter. He's got millions of dollars, illustrious movie career. He'll be he'll be fine. Um, and and so yeah. will Ryan Gosling and the rest of the cast of La La Land. Uh, let's, let's talk about the Hornets. Uh, let's, let's, <laughs> you know what? I want to start because this Clippers game was so amazing, uh, going to overtime. The Hornets do lose this one though. Uh, 124, 121, but this was such an amazing game. I feel like we have to recap this one first and then we'll, we'll go back to the Kings game. If that's okay with you, yeah, David. Let's do that. Let's All do right. That. So it was the third game in four nights for the Hornets. It was the second night of a back to back. And in the first half, things were looking as I thought they would look. I knew the Hornets were going to have to shoot the ball very well 
and they were going to have to depend on some of the Clippers' stars to not play as well. Of course, the Clippers getting back uh, Chris Paul after being out several weeks with an injury. And uh, J.J. Redick came out, actually. He wasn't one of the big three. It was J.J. Redick in that first half, shooting 8 for 10 for 19 points. But a lot of that off of Chris Paul's ball movement. But then that front-line size of DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin, a lot for the Hornets to handle, especially without Cody Zeller and Miles Plumley, and especially in transition. It helped them shoot 53% despite only getting five points from their bench. It was a tough first half for the Hornets. Yeah, I mean, the athleticism too, right? That's one of the bigger things that we've seen, especially without Cody Zeller out there. And the Clippers make a lot of teams look less athletic than they are, but especially a thin team like the Hornets that already lacks that. I mean, that's a tough matchup. And and like you mentioned, I mean, that's uh, on a back-to-back too, right? And on the Oscars night, I mean, come on, their minds had to be, you know, some of (laughs) us. I'm just kidding. Uh, but, but that's tough, right? I mean, that's just a tough matchup for for this Hornets team, I think, especially right now. They did some good things, though. Jeremy Lamb, yeah. 10 points off the bench. How about Frank Kaminsky? He found a, a matchup that he loved versus Luke Mbamute. He loved it. He married it. He made sweet, beautiful baskets with it, scoring seven straight Hornets points near the end of that second quarter to really the bench – uh, just because of the matchups that they had actually pulled the Hornets. This is not something we're used to seeing, but they pulled the Hornets yeah. back into this game. Yeah. I mean, nice to see you got a lot of good things. I mean, and, and we could, we'll also talk about Nick Batum, who was masterful in, in this one, Doug. I think the turnovers are obviously going to be the killer that you look back on this game. I mean, how upset can you be? I mean, I know it's, Right now, you need wins, and you need all the wins you can get. Um, but this was going to be a tough task, right, Doug? I'm not saying to take a moral victory or anything, and certainly losing in the fashion they did is a, yet another punch to the stomach for this team. I, I don't know how many more ways you can invent to lose in gut-punching fashion, but um, a lot of good things. I mean, really, a lot of good things came out of that just didn't give the win. Yeah, I mean, Nick Batum shoots the ball well, 9 of 18 from the field, uh, 8 of uh, 13 from beyond the arc. I mean, he was absolutely on fire, and some of these shots, I mean, they they were created, some of them were created for him, but a lot of it was just him staring down the barrel of the defense, pulling up and knocking down the shot. It's something that we, we don't expect from Nick Batum every single night, David, but it's something that the Hornets have needed on occasional nights. Yeah. Nick has tried to provide it and failed to provide it, but on this night, he steps up in a big way. 31 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists. A lot of people will point to the 5 turnovers, and they'll point yeah. to one one turnover late in the 4th and then one in overtime that really hurt the Hornets. And I think it's kind of fair, but at the same time, without Nick Batum, the Hornets when you're playing a team with as much talent as the Clippers, you, you need your your best players to play well. And without Nick Batum's performance, 8 of 13 from beyond the arc, this team would have been – they would have lost by double digits in regulation. Yeah, and unfortunately the turnovers have been a thing that have been plaguing Nick and this team really, especially in this losing streak. But, like, to make up for that, he's going to have to score those points. And that's something we've talked about being begging – we've been begging for another guy to step up next to Kimball Walker and be the shot maker and create some things on his own for himself and get some buckets. So it just hasn't been consistent, as you mentioned. I mean, that's been the big problem. This is, I mean, that's the guy that I think a lot of people expected to see or wanted to see with this contract. And that's not realistic, like you said, but um, making a few more of those shots on a nightly basis is really going to help him and the team. And, you know, it's just, 
late in the game, late in the season here, um, all these wins are important and all these losses are just extra heavy. Yeah, Kimball Walker also playing well, 11 of 19 from the field, 6 of 10 from beyond the arc, shooting the ball well, 34 points, 2 rebounds, 2 assists, uh, 3 turnovers himself, but he did he does get a steal. Uh, Jeremy Lamb, we mentioned him already, off the bench, 19 points, but getting to the line, 8 of 8 from uh, uh, from the free throw strike, 27 of 30 overall for the Hornets, shooting 90% from the line. <laughs> it was a good night to shoot well from the line, David, because there were a lot of foul calls in this one, especially late and some controversial. 32 personal fouls called on the Charlotte Hornets, 25 on the Los Angeles Clippers. The Clippers getting to the line uh, for, and they didn't shoot the ball well from the line, 70%. In fact, there was a sequence, there's like 4.45 to go in the fourth quarter. Hornets were down three. Uh, Clippers were gaining momentum, and Batum had a bad handle turnover above the free throw line, that aft turnover, and I thought this would be the turning point of the game. I thought the Hornets were going to lose just based on that play, but then Blake Griffin misses both of his free throws. Uh, DeAndre Jordan then fouls Marvin on the rebound, and Marvin missed a free throw. It was an intense game. Everyone was giving it everything they had, and there were a lot of fouls and a lot of missed foul shots. This felt like the the Hornets and the Clippers may never play each other uh, in an NBA Finals, but this felt like as close to you, the closest thing you could get to a Hornets Clippers playoff game. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to see that on a Sunday night in February, right, with so much going on and around that game and around the town. But the shooting also, Doug, I mean, it started a little bit in the Kings game, which which we'll talk about in which they got the win. But this is probably one of the better shooting nights against the Clippers here that the Hornets had. Certainly of late, you know, shooting over 40% from three, that's a little of that that last year flavor for this team that they've been really missing. Um, and so they were able to, you know, play a better offensive game, which clearly you have to do against the Clippers. All right. A couple more things from this game. Frank fouls out with 421 left on, on a touch foul. I, I, I thought, you know, I mean, maybe he, if he made contact with Blake Griffin's head, then you got to call it MKG fouled out with 355 left uh, a few plays later. I, I thought it was an obvious foul on Chris Paul. I, I thought he impeded his motion and he wasn't, he didn't, yeah, had had he got there maybe a half of a second earlier, and then and then sort of got into position and taken the the contact that you possibly could have sold uh, the foul on. If you if you had done what Chris Paul always does, you could have sold the foul on Chris Paul. But instead, they give it to MKG. He fouls out of the game. How do you think that affected things uh, as they moved into later in this game and into overtime? I mean, any of these key guys going out for the Hornets is going to affect them, especially somebody, especially Frank, you know, as of late, um, and MKG with, with his energy. But this was, I mean, there were still shot. This was like a shot-making game, right, Doug? So this was more a shootout. And I don't know that you're necessarily counting on MKG. Well, you're not, hopefully, uh, to make those shots. So um, certainly losing any of those key guys is big, though. But look, I mean, look at the names you're going up against, right? And that's something we talk about all the time, these two superstar names. Nine times out of ten, those guys are going to get the calls. Um, this game had a lot of. This is like a college game, you know, with all yeah. these fouls. I, I thought it uh, did. I thought it did affect things because then you had to get Christian Wood and Jeremy Lamb into this right, game right. more. And I, again, Lamb played well, but there were a couple. He had a, a bad turnover 
uh, in overtime. There were a couple of execution plays by both of these guys that that weren't necessarily great, although you have to praise Christian Wood. Coming in this game, 22 minutes, only scores four points, but he grabs six rebounds, and that's key because you, you knew coming in that the Hornets had a very good chance of getting out-rebounded by the Clippers, who you know have Blake Griffin, have DeAndre Jordan, they have the size and the athleticism, but they only get out-rebounded uh, 47 to 43, though they do allow 15 offensive rebounds to the Clippers and uh, second chance points, 15 of those for the Clippers. And again, I just don't know how much the Hornets really. I thought they were giving it as much as they possibly could. I mean, you had uh, Frank doing the best he could, Marvin uh, uh, getting some key defensive rebounds down the stretch. Uh, but when those two guys went out, it was going to make it really tough on, on the Hornets. And, and again, Nick Batum, as you mentioned, his shot making is really uh, what kept them in, in that three-point shooting from the entire team, including Kimball Walker, who hit that deep three from the Dolby Theater. He accepted his Oscar <laughs> and then hit the three. Oh, man. And then on the other end, Kimba Walker in Paul's shirt, forces him baseline, gets the rebound full full court, forces the foul, and knocks both free throws down. Kimba Walker, guys, he's back. I mean, what a gutsy performance uh, from Kimba Walker. Absolutely incredible. All right, last thing. Let's go to overtime and talk about these two calls that Steve Clifford, after the game, was very upset about, made it known uh, probably going to have to pay a few bucks to the NBA for those comments. Um, but the first one happened with about a minute and 30 left in overtime, and it was a it was called a block shot for DeAndre Jordan on the Kimba Walker layup. But after looking at it, David, I got to go goaltend on here. I think he pinned it on the backboard, um, and Steve Clifford called it an easy call. Uh, maybe maybe it is easy. It looked very split second, but I think you got to make that call there. Yeah, I'm not going against Clifford. I'm not going against you either, Doug. So uh, that's a tough one, and certainly you think playing at home, right? I mean, that's a re- is that reviewable? It's early on a Monday. I'm, I'm losing. I'm forgetting my reviewable camera rules. Well, it was under two minutes. So if if the if that goaltend, uh, you know, could have been reviewed, then it, I, I assume it would have been reviewed. I mean, it's under two so minutes we're gonna in look overtime. For the two minutes. So we're going to look for the two minute report today. Yeah, absolutely. We'll keep our eyes on it. Make sure you're following us on on Twitter at Locked on Hornets. And then final possession for the Hornets. They're down one. And uh, Chris Paul, great defense on Gimba Walker. Maybe a a little – oh, so then Clifford called the timeout to reset. And then they inbound the ball again. And Chris Paul makes contact with Kimba Walker. Kimba Walker falls backward and um, uh, turns the ball over. And and that was all she wrote for the game. Problem? Do you have a problem, David, with the no call on Chris Paul at the end of the game? I mean, at this point in his career, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what you do. It's like once that whistle's not blown, it's over, right? I mean, Kimba can try to. I don't know. Was he trying to? You think that was that a shot? It's hard for me to tell. He's trying to get a call on a shot or just kind of throw it to somebody that he could get the ball to. Well, I think he felt the contact and started to fall yeah. backwards and then really yeah. had no choice but to let the ball. It was either because he was right on the half court line. It would have been a turnover right. either way. Yeah, exactly. So in a game I have an extreme problem with this because I, I watched this game and there's 32 personal fouls what, yeah. called on the Charlotte Hornets. Right. And, and I have right. a problem with the foul that they called on Marvin Williams on the contact on Blake Griffin. I didn't think that was enough contact to call a foul. But you think think about the contact that MKG had on Chris Paul that fouled him out of the game. I mean, 
I don't think that there was that that those two plays were too dissimilar. I think Paul had the same amount of contact on and and the same effect, even more so. I think. I mean, more more effect Chris Paul had on Kimball Walker there on that final play. I absolutely. I think game on the line when you've called. It's different when the entire game has been has been called loosely, and then that happens. But when when it, the yeah. the whole game was called so tight, to not give the call to the Hornets in that situation, I thought was was yeah. tough. That's the annoyance, and that's why you see Clifford upset, more upset than you usually see him. It's just you're not. It's Chris Paul. It's on his M four, and he gets away with that crap. And listen, like, all the listen, time. and he's a listen, great defender. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer. Listen, you can't read the wrong envelope and call. La La Land, the winner, and let them okay. get through halfway through their acceptance we're speech. We're back. We're back. And then say, no, it's a no, Moonlight won it. Just kidding. That's brutal, man. That is, that is, uh, it's tough, though. It's just tough. All right. So, um, Jason emailing us saying that was a pretty bad call at the end of the game. It was close, but if you were going to call that foul for Griffin, the possession before that, you have to make right. that call there. Uh, also, Jason saying, I liked Wood's energy, but say that with the understanding he has some work to do. We're going to talk about Christian Wood a little bit more here after this Kings recap. Just want to talk briefly about this Kings game um, because I thought it was important. It was an important win for the Hornets as uh, they're looking to get a few more of these down the stretch. Uh, the Hornets came out with a, a ton of energy, sustained it, and despite a 13-2 run by the Kings in the fourth quarter, were able to make plays and shots necessary to win a game against an inferior opponent. And honestly, like I know I know the, the Clippers game was the second night of a back-to-back, but without this first night against the Kings, okay. the, uh, you know they would have had zero confidence heading into this game against Los Angeles. Big game, especially, David, for Frank Kaminsky. Got to talk about him for a second. Continuing that all-star weekend bump, right? I mean, he was looking real good, real confident. And really, I guess, before the all-star break, going back to the Raptors game, he had a good game there, too. So you're starting to wonder if maybe he's piecing a few things together on offense. Well, you would start to wonder that if if you're like us and like the people that listen to this show and they're listening right now, if you've watched him you know, in February, coming to his own at the center position, you would think, man, you know, he's really starting to piece it together. And yet I watched this Kings game and I'm following along on Twitter and all the national media can talk about is (laughs) fake news. I'm like railing against the media now. (laughs) Uh, But but seriously, there are a couple of these national media guys that that show the play where uh, that Frank Kaminsky sort of shied away from being put on the poster by Ben McLemore. And and right. they say you know this this guy this guy's never going to put it together this guy but thirty eight minutes twenty three points nine of eighteen from the field five of nine from beyond the arc thirteen rebounds three assists two steals if Kristaps Porzingis does that he can run away from any dunk and it wouldn't matter it's, it's interesting they, they're if they're quoting a play involving Ben McLemore and they're saying the other guy is never going to put it together um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's just <laughs> you see the irony. I do. Uh, that's a shame, but I mean, not surprising, right? It's certainly surprising. No, no, no one listening here to hear that. You know, they're they're railing on Frank even after the. Uh, I'm, so, I'm so surprised. Listen, just get used to it. Listen, game. I just want to prepare everyone for this. Mm. It's never going to be enough because once oh, yeah. Danny Ainge ruined this 
ruined Frank Kaminsky's legacy forever. <laughs> He's a dream killer. Um, but no, but it's it's not going to be enough for national media. It's it's just going to have to be something that, like a lot of what surrounds the Hornets, uh, it's like what we enjoyed with Kimba Walker for many years before this All-Star season. Uh, mm-hmm. We all had to appreciate what Kimba gave to this team when no one else saw it. So just remember that you can be a Frank Kaminsky hipster. Uh, you know what I really like? Uh, what gives me hope? Because certainly, you know, there's there's a lot of story left to be written on Frank Kaminsky's career. Yeah. Uh, but you know what gives me hope more than it? Because I was starting to lose hope a little bit. The light was starting to dim. For sure, yeah. But you know what gives me hope is the the rebounding and the court awareness that I'm seeing out of him right now. The the fact that, uh, especially against Kufus in this Kings game, he was making first contact. He was he was you know getting that elbow, getting that shoulder into a guy to make sure that he had positioning. It's not it's it's something again. It's a little thing, but it's something I wasn't seeing in previous games. He was reacting quickly. He was making he was being physical, and and he just he's starting to develop a court awareness that I didn't see out of Cody Zeller until late into year three. So if that's yeah, any. It's, it's, it... It's kind of the feel that you're seeing from him a little more. And look, like he didn't have a great game against Detroit. Um, I think he only had one rebound in that game, uh, which was a tough loss. But yeah, I mean, you, I think you're trying to take a little encouragement wherever you can get it. And he's there to score. I mean, let's let's not you know make any mistake about it. He's still there to score the basketball, and and he's trying to fill out the other areas of his game at the same time. But that's what this team. That's why they drafted him last year. That's what they wanted to do last year. And I think that's still what they need from him this year is to be another score. And I think if nothing else, David, this this development that we're seeing out of Frank Kaminsky playing the center position is going to lead him closing games at the four or the five, depending on matchups and who plays when. But I could definitely see even after Zeller and Plumley make their return, Frank Kaminsky getting some looks late in games because he's knocking down shots. He's becoming more confident. Now, he did struggle – from three uh, from beyond the arc uh, in this game against the Clippers, one of five, but he showed his versatility. He got to the line. He was able mm-hmm. to expose a good matchup against Mba Mute, and he ends the game with 16 points, five rebounds, four assists. I will take it. I'll take oh, that yeah. every day, especially when you're getting 65 points from Kimball Walker and Nick Batum. And on 13 yeah. shots, that's the key too, 16 points on 13 shots. It's got to be encouraging. So that's as they look to build off of this year, right? There, I mean, that's part of the piece they're going to they're going to analyze is who are the other guys that we can count on. So the more he can put those nights together, and it was on the night, it was you know second night of a back to back. He's still going to have tough. I mean, there's still going to be bad nights where he's you know matched up against somebody that's just bad for him. Um, but more, more, and more, he's seeing some of those go his way. Uh, probably fewer than 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 when he's at a disadvantage, but. Still, you like what you're seeing from that. David, I knew it was going to be a tough night for La La Land when they started to lose <laughs> the the little awards. I, I knew uh, yeah. I knew yeah. the tide was starting. I was honestly surprised when they called La La Land. Which you have if you haven't been following the show, I've been a big fan of this movie. I'm not talking about it just out of the blue. Um, I think it's a fantastic movie. I, and here's the thing. I don't really care about the, I've never cared about the Oscars. I think it's, it's, um, you know, rich Hollywood elite giving awards to other rich Hollywood elite. It's, it's silly. I just think, I just think it was interesting this year. I had a movie to follow. I, I haven't seen Moonlight yet. I want to see it. I want to see Manchester by the sea as well. Mm. And Moonlight very well could have 
what does deserved mean? Again, this whole this whole Oscar thing is ridiculous. But um, I just knew it wasn't going to go their way when some of the little things started to unravel. But like, anyway. what was the first award that you're worried about that, that did not go their way? Like the very first one, like sound editing. Or yeah, sound, like sound mixing and sound. Well, that's the thing. It's a musical. If a musical doesn't win. <laughs> sound mixing no, all the awards enough, hacksaw ridge enough, hacksaw ridge kept a, winning yeah. awards and it, look if they're going to give awards to mel gibson over the the favorite to win the best picture then suddenly i don't think they're the favorite anymore anyway they should have had a few more explosions i guess for the sound mixing awards <laughs> in la la land <laughs> there was explosive dialogue there was explosive emotion all right. I like I again, Doug. I like La La Land. I, I, I really enjoyed it. I also saw Moonlight, and I uh, agree with the with with how it shook out. Not how it went down, but just how it shook out. You know what I mean? So it was um, a good movie. The Hornets now sit at twenty five and thirty four, eleventh in the Eastern Conference, uh, virtually three and a half games out of eighth place because of a tiebreaker with the Detroit Amazing. Pistons. Amazing. By the way, if they play. As well as they did against the Clippers, against the Pistons, right. they win that game. If, if they if play, they the play against Toronto, they win that game. So if there's any, if you want to take some consolation from this loss against the Clippers, is that if they continue to play this well, they'll get some wins. And, and I want to go over this. So the the Hornets, uh, three and a half games out of eighth place. Okay, they, they do in this road trip with several winnable games, including their next game tomorrow night versus the Los Angeles Lakers. That game tips off at 10.30 p.m. Eastern time. We'll have a preview of that game for you tomorrow morning and talk about it some more on Locked what, On what Hornets. Time, what time Life. does that tip off? What time does that 10:30. tip off? 10.30. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, All right. Such a DVRs. Um, okay. okay, I want to go over the rest of the schedule, though. So I've broken this down, David. Are you ready for this? So I count... Nine winnable games, and, and I'm counting winnable games as teams that have a worse record than the Charlotte Hornets, uh, or you know favorable matchups games. Because I mean they've won a lot of games against division opponents, so I may have thrown one or two of those in there as well. But I count nine winnable games. That's enough to get you to 34 and 34. And then I count four probable losses. There's a game against Oklahoma City. They've got one more against uh, Cle, and it's at Oklahoma City. I know they've beaten OKC already this year, but OKC has upgraded their team, and it's at Oklahoma City. They've got one more against Boston. Until they prove they can beat Boston, I'm giving it to Boston. Cleveland, and um, I think one of the Washington games I threw in as a probable loss. I split Washington, and uh, I gave both of the Atlanta ones as toss-ups because – the Hornets have done a great job of, of dismantling Atlanta this season, and uh, there is a little bit of a uh, competition at point guard right now, some shakeups happening in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Dennis Schroeder getting benched for, uh, for Malcolm Delaney. So there's some, there's some interesting things happening in Atlanta. Anyway, so I put both of those in toss-ups. So nine winnable games, that's enough to get the Hornets to 34 and 34, 500. Probable losses four, that drops them to 34 and 38. That leaves 10 toss-ups meaning they would have to win seven of out of those 10 toss-up games to get to 41 and 41. So there's two games against Atlanta. There was one game against Washington, uh, several games, two games against Indiana, including one that's for now on national television, on, scheduled for okay. TNT. It'll be the home game out of this road trip. Uh, could get flexed out, though. But that's to me, I look at those numbers, David, and I, I don't say that's impossible to get to 41 right. and 41. Possibly, 
especially if they again if they play as well as they did against the Clippers. That's the key, and they're seeing some of that now. They can point to some actual evidence that they that they can get back to playing well, right? Like they look a lot more rested to me um, these three games, which should make sense coming out of the All Star game. But yeah, that's not impossible the way you laid it out. And forty one and forty one gets them in, right? I mean, that's a playoff team in the East. I agree. Yeah, forty one. So, you know, yeah, yeah five hundred is going to get you in to the playoffs yeah. this season in the East. I, I, mean, I believe. It's not going to be easy, right? <laughs> it's not going to be easy, and they'll probably have to, you know, steal one from someone they're not supposed to win, which hasn't gone their way a lot this year. But they've got to, they've got to start doing that because you know the Bulls somehow keep winning. I mean, two triple doubles almost against Cleveland the other night. Um, so if they could take care of business on that front, it'd be certainly exciting. The way this season has gone, it doesn't. <laughs> it seems like it would be the shock of shocks, but. Nothing is impossible anymore these days, guys. Nothing is impossible. No, absolutely not. I mean, think think about uh, think about if you're moonlight. You think you've lost the the award, and all of a sudden uh, you win. So anything. Think about if you're running for president. Think about if you're. By the way, you know. so I mean, I wanted so I, I stayed up all night wanting Hillary Clinton to win, and then <laughs> I stayed up all night wanting La La Land to win. Oh, and my in both God. cases, I thought I, I had it in the back. <laughs> I thought yeah. I, it was in my grasp, and, and yeah, I mean, both you, of them you, were brutally. That's the thing; it just wasn't. They weren't just taken away from me; they were brutally taken away from me. And, and you didn't really have a, a, a dog in the Super Bowl fight, but I mean, geez, that was uh, another impossibility. It's been, that yeah, came it's to been fruition. a it's been a year. It's been a year. It's been a year for impossible. Um, hey, uh, real quick, the Hornets signed two new ten day contracts. Out are Ray McCallum and Mike Toby. Toby returning to the Greensboro Swarm. In our center, Johnny O'Brien, who played in the D-League All-Star game. And point guard, Briante Weber. Weber's services were highly sought after um, when Miami decided uh, not to bring him back. Uh, Weber reunites with fellow VCU alum Trevion Graham on the roster. Uh, Weber was the D-League Player of the Month for January, including almost one steal shy of a quadruple double, which would have been the first in the history of the D-League. And uh, he, look, he's a defensive first point guard. He's not going to score a ton, but uh, he loves to get in there and rebound. A lot of uh, comparisons to Patrick Beverly from Scouts. So I don't see him getting a lot of run unless something happens to Brian Roberts. That's just how this team operates. They, they uh, Steve Clifford, um, love him or hate him for this. He enjoys... Uh, t- uh, pl- playing guys at the point who know the system uh, and values that experience there, and that's why they decided to bring Brian Roberts back in the first place to be that third point guard. But, David, drastic times do call for drastic measures, and the Charlotte Hornets, um, they're not known for playing D-League call-ups at all or players on 10-day no. contracts, for that matter, except when absolutely necessary. But with their front court severely depleted by injuries, they've given time to Greensboro Swarm call-ups Mike Toby and Christian Wood. I think it's fair to say that Mike Toby struggled in his brief audition, 12 and a half minutes per game, two points, one and a half rebounds, 25% from the field. Christian Wood got off to a rough start, but has provided a lot of energy and rebounding to a team that desperately needed it. David, when the team is struggling, there are inevitably calls for guys like uh, Wood or Toby to be given a shot. Have these past few games supported their arguments, or has it been more of a be-careful-what-you-wish-for situation? 
Yeah, I think you have to be careful what you wish for here. They, they, first of all, I don't think they're going to get the minutes um, unless it's a dire situation like you mentioned. But um, the, the chances for their success, too, right, are, are, are kind of slim. I, I certainly understand wanting to see some things um, from guys that just haven't gotten the chance to play. But, like, did McCown get any any run? Nope. He, he didn't play a minute, did he? Yeah. So two 10 days and, and not one minute of, of floor time. I don't think that – as well for anyone wanting to see these guys you know make an impact well and i think christian wood is the perfect example right because a ton of energy a ton of uh, he's got a high ceiling uh, in terms of uh, just his his athleticism and the things that he can provide on the court with his physical tools but there are times when he just has absolutely no idea where to be he just doesn't have that sort of uh, immediate instinct and uh, he's he's going to need continued time to develop, and, and it's why it's it's a good thing that the Hornets have this D League team now in Greensboro. But I think you're seeing out of you know Wood the reasons why Steve Clifford and other coaches. It's not just Steve Clifford. I mean, Briante Weber didn't get a, a, a crazy great shot at, at getting minutes in Golden State either, and they experiment all the time. It, yeah. It's it's a case of you, you want guys who. Uh, who are, are veterans and have shown that uh, they they know where to be, and because you know just the the smallest things can disrupt an offensive possession, and even smaller things can lead to baskets on the other end of the floor if you miss an assignment on defense with with the pick and roll heavy offenses that we're seeing where it's con- that's all defense is is decision making. Do I take an right. extra half step to the right? Do I shade a little bit more? How much room do I need to give this shooter? I mean it's just constant it's it's calculus out there. Yeah. And, and some guys are are still at the the trigonometry level. Well, and in the NBA if you stop to think for a split second you're beat, right? And in all these games, I mean, look at the games the Hornets are in. Like the very back, close goal, games, very close, right? Very close games. Yeah, actually, no, listen, execution games. issues in overtime with both Christian Wood and Jeremy Lamb are uh, hurt the team in overtime. Now they were able to shoot out of it, and and other guys were able to step up and make plays. But you know, th- th- I'm just saying that this is why I think that they're they are illustrations. I'm I'm excited about what Christian Wood has given this team in terms of offensive rebounding when they've needed it. But I'm not playing him over over a healthy Miles Plumley. I'm not playing him no, over no. Cody. You know, I, you know, I'm not giving him minutes where there where there are not even Briante Weber. I just don't feel like you 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 can take that chance in the position that this team is in. Which I just went over it. They're still in striking distance now. When this if this team gets you know mathematically eliminated, right? Then absolutely. Let's see what you got. That's a different. Yeah, that's a different scenario. They're clearly forging ahead with this group, I think. I mean, that's what's part of this is uh, bringing up these guys from the D League to kind of just shore up the depth. Um, but, yeah, it's every every little thing matters. And that's something that Clifford has talked about even when this team was 100% healthy from day one, right? Their margin for error is razor, razor thin. And so when you put guys out there that are more likely to make mistakes – it just makes that a, a tougher situation. So they may see it if it gets really bad depth-wise. I actually I'd like to see Weber uh, get in there after saying all of that. Uh, that'd be fun to see him play. So I get it why you know other people want to see these guys get in there. It's just not something this team is used to doing right now. Yeah, I mean, I, would I be like terribly upset with seeing Briante Weber in there getting some time? Absolutely not. I just don't think. Yeah. 
you know, I, I think he's more of an emergency situation and a practice well, yeah. player at this point. And what and what did and what did uh, you know what did Kemba? Or, uh, it's Clifford different if he if told. you if you pick him up in the off season, then it's different because you give him a chance to try. It's like Trevion Graham; he had a chance to try out and, and learn the system and and then get in the game. Yeah, and and they're going to play Kemba as much as they possibly can right now. Too, yeah, that's right? the thing to understand. Brian Roberts only averaging eleven minutes per game. Not right. getting, so, not getting a ton of run himself, and that's what Clifford told Roberts in sessions. It's like it's not that you're not good. And this is his words. Uh, it's not that you're not good and not not going to play. But Kimba is so good that we need him out there. So it's like you're not going to chop up any more minutes, probably off of Kimba or Roberts. You know, with the to give this guy, you know, five minutes. You know, it's not worth it for the team to do that. I don't think in their eyes. All right, that's all the time we have for this edition of Locked On Hornets, uh, our Oscar recap show <laughs> here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on iTunes. While you're there, give us a five-star review. Help hardcore Hornets fans like yourself find this podcast. Shoot us your Hornets questions and thoughts to buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com. Or if you're like Ricky and you want to vent – Email us. I'll read. Ricky says I'm 54 years old and even remember as a kid pulling for the Cougars. So I, I hope Ricky. you take the time to read this email. I, I personally here here is his vent. I personally think that if Michael Jordan has given Rich Chose the keys to the car, then he's the cat that's got to go. Uh, he's very Ricky is very upset about this Plumley deal. Mm. Uh, not enough time to delve into that, but Ricky, I would just say that hold on. I hope Ricky listened to my my breakdown of the remaining games. The season is not over. Uh, by any stretch of the imagination, Ricky. Uh, but we appreciate your email. You can always vent to this show. We will always yeah. accept your your vents about about Rich Cho or about the Hornets or about La La Land uh, getting right. um, uh, getting embarrassed on a national stage. Uh, anything. Oh come on! It's that's, just that's a bit strong. They'll be all right. <laughs> We're you back. Can still, you can still enjoy that that musical mad magic in your own living room it will always beautiful part it will always be in my heart and in my (laughs) blu-ray player um we're back again tomorrow with a double dose of hornets talk we're back in the morning but then we also have locked on hornets live on youtube at six o'clock p.m tomorrow you want to tune in for that for david i'm doug go hornets go america let's swarm charlotte like what you hear consider sharing this podcast with other charlotte hornets fans the easiest way our new website lockedonhornets.com there you can download the podcast listen to our latest episodes and check out locked on hornets live on tuesdays at 6 p.m it takes a lot to get excited about a bag but most bags can't save you 20 percent on auto parts that's 20 percent off headlamps 20 percent off oil filters 20 percent off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99 cent napa reusable bag so tell your buddies there's a bag they just have to check out quality parts helpful people that's napa know-how napa know-how at participating napa auto parts stores while supplies last minimum three items exclusions apply offer ends 10 31 17